A warm welcome to each and every one of you, wherever you may be around the world. We have a number of questions to discuss today in our satsang, and I wanted to mention that I will be referring to Paramahansa Yogananda as Guruji or Master. And we use the term Master as a respectful acknowledgement that he mastered himself. He overcame delusion, and he showed us the way to do the same. So I'd like to jump right into our first question, which is, my family, spouse, and three children would like me to continue attending Catholic Mass with them on Sundays. I am the only SRF member, Kriyabon, in our family. I would rather spend my quiet Sunday mornings at home to have my weekly long meditation, my only opportunity, really. But when I mention this to them, they feel that I want to withdraw from them instead of helping to create a warm family feeling. Any advice for me? This question reminded me of my childhood. When I was young, my mother attended church with us, but my father came maybe once a month. But whenever he came, it did create a warm family feeling. It felt like all was well with the world. It felt united. God gives us our families, and it's important to do what unites the family, what creates the greatest harmony, and what sets a good example for the children. There's an old saying, the family that prays together stays together, and there's much truth in that. So if you haven't already done so, which you may have, you may wish to have a conversation with your spouse and the children if they're old enough for this, and explain to them that your weekly meditations help you to rejuvenate, help you to recharge yourself so that you can be the best version of yourself when you are with them. Knowing that it benefits them and also how important it is to you Perhaps there can be a compromise. Maybe they can allow you one or two Sundays a month for your long meditation. Or maybe they could create another quiet time at home where you can have your meditation at another time during the week. Now, if you've had this conversation already and you don't feel that a compromise is possible, then here are some words from our late President Sri Dayamata on dealing with this kind of a situation. She said, if it is not possible for those who have family responsibilities to arrange for six hours of meditation once a week, the next best thing is to snatch whatever time you can and make the, med and make the most of it with sincere effort. That is all you can do. God appreciates the devotee who does his best. If our best is only one half hour of deep meditation, that means as much to God as one whose best is, a, is six hours. Whatever free time you have, give it to God. That is what he wants. Be honest with him in your heart. If you have only one hour for deep meditation, then let that one hour be spent wholeheartedly with God. And Guruji said, 
lead a balanced life of meditation plus right activity. Devotion to God does not mean neglect of outer duties to one's family and the world. Practice the presence of God unceasingly. Then, even during your outer work, you will be conscious of divine communion. Even in the ashram, there are times when our outer duties override our meditation time, and we have to fight for those times. But it's during those periods where we learn to practice the presence of God unceasingly. If you think of God in the little moments throughout the day, and you may be surprised to find how many little moments there are throughout the day when you can think of God, but if you take those, that time, little reminders, have little reminders for yourself to think of God, by the time you get to your evening meditation, you have been with God already throughout the day, so your evening meditation is deeper, and you go much deeper, much faster. Guruji said, Our success must not hurt others. A qualification of success is that we not only bring harmonious and beneficial results to ourselves, but also share those benefits with others. Suppose a wife engages in the spiritual practice of prolonged periods of silence and at such times refuses to talk even to her husband and children. Though she may succeed in keeping silent and thereby gain some degree of personal inner peace, her behavior is selfish and detrimental to her family's happiness. She is not truly successful unless the accomplishment of her good intention also benefits those to whom she has a responsibility. Children grow up so fast. And there will be a time in your future when they're out and busy with their lives and you will be able to have your weekly meditations. So if there isn't the possibility of a compromise, do the best you can with your spiritual routine. Learn to practice the presence of God more during the day. And then go to Mass with your family. And while you're there in church, practice Hongsa. Pray for those around you. Set the example for your children. And at home, if you have a meditation area, you may want to have an extra chair or two or an extra cushion or two nearby and tell your family that they're welcome to come and join you for your meditation or for a little period of time. I know a number of families whose children and teens come in for just a minute or two every morning or evening and sit silently with their meditating parent. And they consider this to be a very special time together. Then if the children show interest, you could teach them some chants. You could teach them to talk to God from the language of their hearts, to create a loving, not a fearful relationship with the Lord that will carry them through during the tests and trials that will come to them throughout their lives, then you will be fulfilling the highest duty given to parents to nurture the love of God within their children.
So our next question. My father, a longtime Kriyaban, recently was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. He is gradually losing his memory. As an example, the other day he visited one of his friends at his home in the morning, and in the afternoon he could not remember who he had visited. He confided that this condition greatly concerns and frightens him. A few days ago he asked, what if I won't remember my guru anymore? Would you have any suggestions what to tell him to reassure him? Your father's a Kriyabhan. So he took the Kriyabhan pledge, a vow to follow his guru and his guru's teachings to the end of life, to the best of his ability, and he's doing that. But the guru also took a vow. He also made a pledge to take the disciple back to God, no matter how many lifetimes it would take. The guru never leaves the disciple, even if due to some delusion or karma, the disciple doesn't remember the guru anymore for a period of time. Master will be guarding and guiding your dear father through all the karmic experiences he may have to go through in life. And when it comes time for him to leave his body and all the limitations that it puts on his soul, he'll wake up again and remember all that he has forgotten. The mind forgets, but the soul never forgets. So during this time period, you can help your father by making sure that he has photos of Guruji somewhere around the house where he can see them. It would be good if he could hear recordings of Guruji's voice to help to keep that connection. And as his condition progresses, you may wish to play some of the cosmic chants because those with cognitive issues often respond well to music, and the chants carry a very high and a very holy vibration that his soul will respond to. Assure your dear father that no matter what happens, Guruji is with him. He always has been and he always will be. And he will wake him up on the other side in such glory and such beauty. And then he will see how deeply he is loved by God and Guru, and that this life was just a passing dream. Our next question. I have been struggling with depression, and someone told me I should see a therapist. I am reluctant to do so. First of all, I'm concerned that a therapist would not understand my spiritual practices and might even undermine my faith and relationship with God. And also, Master says very clearly, to know God is the most important way to heal all disease, physical, mental, spiritual. So I feel that my meditation should take care of my problems. Some of my friends think I'm being extreme. Any thoughts? There are many causes and levels of depression. So there isn't going to be one right answer 
for this question. It's going to depend on the severity of the depression as to whether therapy is a good idea for you, is the right path for you to follow at this time. For example, if your depression is mild, if you're still able to meditate with focus and concentration, if the depression is not getting in the way of your daily activities or interfering with your relationships with your friends and family, then it's quite possible that you will be able to pull yourself out of the depression by deeply practicing meditation and other God-reminding activities such as affirmation and so forth. It will take some effort, and it will take willpower. But if you apply yourself sincerely, it is possible that you can prove the power of Guruji's words. To know God is the most important way to heal all disease, physical, mental, or spiritual. On the other hand, if the depression has already suppressed your will, and if it is such that you're not functioning well in your work or in your daily life and your relationships with others are suffering, then it's possible, it's probable that some form of therapy could help you in your healing. When looking for a therapist, you can interview them. You don't have to just take whoever comes along. You can go and ask them, tell them, my faith is important to me. My religion is important to me. My belief in God is important to me. I want to be guided by one who would respect these parts of my life. And if they are not that person, then keep searching. Shop around till you find someone who, who works for you. There are times when all of us need help from others. And Master would want a devotee who is struggling with deep depression to get some help that's available now and actually even commonplace. Now, if you or anyone else out there who is struggling with the same type of situation wish to discuss, discuss your individual uh, situation in depth with one of our monastic counselors, please feel free to call the Mother Center, ask for an appointment with one of the monastic counselors who may be able to guide you towards an outcome that will benefit you spiritually in the long run. So our next question. One of my devotee friends has been struggling with phases of extreme emotional and mental imbalances for some time. It has been heartbreaking to watch and makes interacting with her difficult. I think she suffers from mental health issues, which apparently she is not able to cope with on her own. I'm very concerned about her and tried to suggest to her to get professional help. But whenever I broach that subject, she gets upset and says she trusts in master and Kriya practice. She says all things are possible with Kriya Yoga. And that doing her Kriyas is all she needs. Is that the position SRF would be taking? What would master want for such devotees? 
Well, you sound like a very caring friend, and it is hard to watch someone who needs help refuse to get it. But as with the previous question, there's not going to be one answer for this, because emotional, mental, chemical imbalances can take all different forms. But maybe some of the following thoughts will help. And I'm going to start with a story. And at first, you're probably going to wonder what this story has to do with the question. But hold on, because hopefully that will become clear in the end. In the book, The Autobiography of a Yogi, Paramahansa Yogananda tells a story that was told to him by a policeman. The police were looking for a villain. The villain was disguised as a sadhu. They saw a man who fit that description, and they called out for him to stop, and he ignored them. They called again. He ignored them. So they pursued him, and one of the policemen took his axe and swung it and nearly completely severed the arm of the sadhu, who kept walking as if nothing had happened. And of course, the police realized their terrible mistake and implored pardon, and the sadhu blessed them, took his mangled arm, pushed it back up into its stump, and it adhered. In a few days, it was completely healed. No scar, no trace that there had ever been an injury. So these types of things are possible. When one has practiced a technique such as Kriya Yoga long and deep for years, lifetimes. However, until one has reached that exalted state, we would never recommend that you try this type of healing at home. When a medical emergency happens, you seek medical help. The same is true for mental, emotional, chemical imbalances that are disruptive to the life. Yes, Kriya Yoga is powerful. But until we've practiced it, long and deep and are able to keep ourselves in a higher state of consciousness on a regular basis, we shouldn't discount the help that's available from trained professionals. We can't jump from grade school into a PhD program. The grade schooler can look and say, oh, there's a PhD program right there, but they have, they're not there yet. They have all these steps, teachers, helpers along the way before they get there. Generally, a person experiencing these type of imbalances is not able to calm the mind to the degree that is necessary to practice Kriya Yoga correctly in order to obtain the results it is capable of giving. In fact, in extreme cases, Practice of meditation can even exacerbate the situation and the imbalances. Unfortunately, oftentimes when people are facing these types of issues, they do not feel that they need help. That is part of the illness. They feel that others are the problem. No one would be qualified to help them. 
This is just part of the delusion they're in. So as a friend, you may not be able to help them. You may not be able to convince them that they need help. Now in this particular situation, you say that she's a Kriyabhan. So you could suggest that she calls the Mother Center and asks to speak with one of the nuns. And they can try and may be able to get through to her and help her, guide her towards something that will, that will help her. I'm aware of several devotees who have fought for years, battled for years, with emotional and chemical imbalances. And with helpful forms of therapy and even medication, they are able to meditate and serve the work in ways that they were not able to and before their treatment. In fact, they're making more spiritual progress now than they would have if they had been left untreated. Because now they can meditate more deeply. Now they can calm the mind. Now they can serve others instead of spending their days in a constant struggle and war within themselves. So if this dear soul is listening now, which she may be, I would say this to her. You have great good karma. You found your guru. You found Kriya Yoga. You worked hard for that. But it doesn't mean that you don't need other teachers, other helpers along the way. It may be the hardest thing that you've ever done in your entire life, but if you can seek out the help of a trained professional, you may find some relief from your suffering. Pray to Guruji to guide you to the right person, to the right technique, and then ask him to work through whatever practitioner you select. Because he will, he can, he can work through the doctors. If you allow Guruji to help you through others, he may be able to change your life in beautiful ways. And if you haven't already, please make sure that you put your name on the SRF prayer list so that the prayers from devotees in your spiritual family can help to support you. Allow us to support you in this way. Jai Guru. God bless you. Now, if there are any of you who don't know how to put your name on the prayer list, you can go to our main website, yogananda-srf.org, and at the bottom of the home page there are quick links, and you can click on Request Prayers and enter in any names that you wish. This is a beautiful way to help support and put a spiritual protection around yourself and others. The names are prayed for for three months by all the monks and nuns and all of the lay members who are participating in the worldwide prayer circle. First, though, the name is taken to Guruji's shrine for his special blessing. So take advantage of our prayer list. So our next question. 
How does one handle feelings of anxiety when one has received Master's teachings late in life and feels that there is not enough time to practice them? I am feeling overwhelmed and don't know what to do. Any suggestions? Yes. Relax and enjoy. You found the teachings when you were ready for them. Many years ago, before I was a nun, I was at Hollywood Temple, and I was speaking with Brother Bhaktananda, and I learned that he had just given a hongsa ceremony to a group of 10-year-olds. And I remarked, oh, how wonderful that would have been to have found meditation technique like hongsa at age 10. And he said, how many of them do you think will follow it through to the end? Better to find the teachings when you understand what you have received and will stick with it until the end of life. Now, of course, it's wonderful for children to be exposed to these teachings. But his point was that as adults, we can understand the guru-disciple relationship. We can understand what loyalty to the guru-disciple relationship is and its eternal nature. The guru loves us eternally, eternally. And he will be with us, as I mentioned before, till the end of life and beyond, into our next lives. So the spiritual path isn't a race and it isn't a competition. We have all the time in the universe. So enjoy where you are in the process right now. Master says, you may say that life is ebbing away and you are going to die anyway, so why try for success? I would answer as the Gita says, at the moment of death, even one second before, if you can leave the body with the conviction that you are victorious in life, so shall it be. If you go with the conviction that you will be with the Lord, so shall it be. But if you go with the consciousness that you are done for, so shall it be. And this is the key line here. Whatever thoughts predominate as the result of the way you have lived your life, think about what are your predominant thoughts. Whatever thoughts predominate as a result of the way you have lived your life, those thoughts determine your after-death state and the pattern of your next life. Can you remember that, Guruji says? There is no excuse to say that you are too old or otherwise unable to succeed materially and spiritually. Master has given so much in his writings, and it is normal to feel overwhelmed at the volume of them. But remember this, he brought this teaching for this yuga, for this age. This is the religion of the new age. This, these are the teachings that devotees in the higher ages will be using to find God. So it's really not possible for us to do everything in one life. And Guruji knows that. He said, if you practice one millionth of the things that I tell you, you will reach God. One millionth. 
so you can make it simple and achieve really beautiful results. You can simplify it down to two things, love and law. So love is your relationship with the guru, forming a personal relationship with God and guru, talking to them throughout the day, making them a living reality in your life. And then law, your meditation techniques. Form a morning and evening period of meditation. And if you're not up to long meditations yet, 15 to 30 minutes. Make it regular, though. Be regular. And what you'll find is, if you think of your meditation period as a time with your best friend, you'll start learning to enjoy sitting there longer and communing with God more. So enjoy the process. God has assigned you a guru, so he is planning on freeing you. So be grateful for this immense blessing and try to keep your thoughts, your consciousness on a high level. So when it comes time for you to leave this world, you can leave with the conviction that you are victorious in life, that you will be with the Lord, then so shall it be. Our last question is multifaceted. I am suffering from a chronic illness and chronic pain and often feel hopeless or left out when listening to the monastics speaking about the techniques or other topics to inspire and motivate us to meditate, do the exercises, be regular in our practice, etc. In counseling, I have been told, do the best you can. But how far will that take one when our best falls short of all we are taught. Could you offer some guidance and hope for those of us who are limited by illness and or disability? I feel I was given a great gift finding Master and his teachings, but I have wasted it due to being given a challenging body in the same lifetime. Your challenging body is actually an asset in your attainment of God. You are burning karma that needs to be burned in order for you to be free. All Master asks is that we do our best. And our best can take us very far. He says whatever conditions confront us, they represent our next step in our the next step in our unfoldment. Many, many saints have found God without meditation techniques. They have found God through perseverance, through difficult times. Now, I get it. I grant it. It's not fun, and our humanness doesn't like it. But these types of situations help us to develop qualities that are needed for our spiritual advancement. Patience, perseverance, humility, trust in God, surrender to God, strengthening of the will to overcome the body, and so forth. And these are all good things. So if you aren't able to do the meditation techniques physically, 
do them mentally. In Sunday's opening class, Brother Vishwananda told the story about doing the energization exercises mentally on the train. I too have a story. I had a five-hour flight and I had had an hour and a half of sleep the night before. And I was looking forward to that, those five hours of sleeping on the plane. And so I got on the plane and I sat down and I thought, you didn't do your energization exercises this morning. So I said, okay, Master, I'll do them mentally and then I'm sleeping. So I closed my eyes, I said my prayer, and then I envisioned myself doing one exercise after another. Now I wasn't physically sending any energy into my body. This was all visualization. By the time I got done, I was wide awake. I didn't sleep on that flight at all. I had no jet lag. I never had a makeup time for that lost sleep. Mental practice of what we can't do physically can produce great benefits. Now, in regard to your feelings of isolation, it might help you to be in contact with other devotees who have similar situations to yours. There are many who are struggling with physical limitations, illness, chronic pain, and so forth. You probably know that we have this beautiful voluntary League of Disciples now. And so people can serve from home. They can be connected with other devotees for fellowship or for serving. For example, sometimes the devotees will read to each other. Over the phone or over a Zoom meeting, they'll read Master's teachings to each other. Connecting with other devotees who have limitations like yours may help you feel less isolated. It may also help you realize that a challenging body is not an obstacle in your path to attaining God. So if you're interested, you can Google voluntaryleague.yogananda.org and you can look through the variety of options for participation. Now also you want to make sure that you are getting proper medical attention. So much is opening up these days. There are many options for dealing with illnesses and situations that were once considered chronic. Science is coming to discover what Guruji has said right along, that there's a strong mental component in overcoming pain, in dealing with pain. And it can be trained to lessen or eliminate that pain. Master says, the fact is, if you learn to live in your body without thinking of it as yourself, you won't suffer so much. The connection between you and bodily pain is only mental. When you are asleep and unconscious of the body, you feel no pain. Likewise, when a doctor or a dentist gives you an anesthetic and performs surgery on your body, you don't feel any pain. 
the mind has been disconnected from the sensation. The first time I fully understood this was about 18 years ago when I had an outbreak of shingles. And for those of you who have ever had shingles, you know how excruciating that pain can be. It's so bad, in fact, that it's one of the leading causes of suicide among the elderly. It's relentless. So I was afraid. At first, I didn't know what this pain was. But once I found out that it was shingles, I had some information. Okay, I can research what shingles is, and I can know what this, what this problem is that I have. It's a virus that affects the nerve endings, okay? The nerve's job is to report situations in the body to the brain. So the nerves are sick, and they're telling my brain repeatedly that they're sick. All right, but the fear was gone. So then I started talking to my nerves and telling them, sympathizing with them, telling them, I'm so sorry you're sick. I understand your plight. It's just shingles. It's going to be okay. You can stop reporting this to my brain now. But it's the nerve's job to report to the brain. So I had to take it another step. I had to work with my mind. The mind is an amazing instrument, and it will do what we ask it to do if we guide it properly. So I told my mind, the nerves have a virus. They're just crying babies, and they're going to keep telling you, we're sick, we're sick. But we don't have to respond to that because we have that information. We know it already. So incoming sensation is nothing more than information. When I had this thought, about a minute and a half later, I went from excruciating pain to a dull ache. And it stayed that way for weeks until the illness was gone. So I had done three things. I had let go of fear by gaining knowledge of the situation. I had detached from my body by talking to it as if I were outside of it. And I had trained my mind to interpret the incoming sensations simply as information. Guruji says, since most of our ills come through fear, if you give up fear, you will be free at once. The healing will be instant. Every night before you sleep, affirm, the Heavenly Father is with me, I am protected. Mentally surround yourself with spirit and his cosmic energy and think, any germ that attacks me will be electrocuted. Chant Om three times or the word God, that will shield you. You will feel his wonderful protection. Be fearless. That is the only way to be healthy. So work with your doctors, but also work on your mind to understand the incoming sensations from your nerves as simply information. And stay open to what's happening in the 
rapidly changing medical field because there are doctors now who will work with this mental aspect as well. So never give up trying to find a, a cure. Now, having said all this, I realize that there are some cases that no matter how much effort is made, the pain still persists. What to do then? I remember several years ago, someone asked this question of Brother Nandamoy, and he said, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing him here, they had asked what, what to do with chronic pain during meditation. And he said, well, what is meditation but a giving of ourselves to God? We give everything that we are. We're trying to surrender our entire beings to God. So if you come to your meditation and all you have is pain, you give that pain to God. And it is considered a fit and beautiful gift by the Lord. Now, no matter what condition our body is in, we are also always welcome and free to whisper our love to God. Saint Therese of Lisieux, she was very ill and she was bedridden much of her, much of the last few years of her life in a lot of pain. She was lying there looking peaceful and one of her sisters asked, are you praying? And she said, yes. And her sister asked, what do you say when you pray? And she said, oh, I don't say anything. I just love him. I don't say anything. I just love him. Wordless eloquence between the soul and spirit. St. Therese didn't have Kriya Yoga. She didn't have meditation techniques. She attained her sainthood through devotion. But we have the blessing to have both. And Guruji said, Kriya Yoga plus devotion, they work like mathematics, they cannot fail. So Master is aware of your struggles. He's aware of your desire to follow him, to do what is right, but he also knows, <clears throat> excuse me, he also knows what good will come to you by just doing the best that you can. Sri Dayamata said, all you have to remember in this life is to do the best that you can every moment every day. God wants continuity of effort from you. He does not want you to become discouraged and give up and run away. Remember that in the midst of all your activities and throughout all your trials and tests, God is ever with you. Remember that in the midst of all your activities and throughout all your trials and tests, God is ever with you. So I'd like now to take a few moments to practice the visualization that Guruji gave to us for overcoming fear and illness.
Guruji said to practice this affirmation every night before going to sleep. So this can be done sitting up, it can be done lying in bed. And it includes an affirmation, a visualization, holding on to a thought, and then the chanting of Om. So today we're going to practice it with a break between the thought and the chanting of Om to have a period of meditation to absorb ourselves in the feeling of protection and love of spirit. So let's assume a meditation posture. You want your spine straight or as straight as your physical condition allows it to be. Feet flat on the floor and the hands upturned on the thighs. Eyes gently focused at the Christ Center. In this position, relax. And let's do Guruji's preliminary breathing exercise that he gives in lesson number one. This is an inhaling and a tensing of the entire body, a holding for a count of six, and a double exhaling and relax. Now when you inhale and tense, don't just let it be your, your arms and your feet. Tense the entire body, your torso, your neck. So it's a, an even tension going throughout the whole body. So let's practice this together three times at our own pace. Now repeat after me. The Heavenly Father is with me. I am protected. The Heavenly Father is with me. I am protected. Feel that he's with you. Feel that protection. The Heavenly Father is with me. I am protected. The Heavenly Father is with me. I am protected. The Heavenly Father is with me. I am protected. The Heavenly Father is with me. I am protected. The Heavenly Father is with me. I am protected. Now in this protected space, mentally surround yourself with spirit and his cosmic energy. You can visualize it permeating you, surrounding your body. If you're not good at visualizations, you can think 
that you're surrounded by spirit. Think that it permeates your body, that this cosmic energy is all around you, and you are in a protected space within this cosmic energy. And Guruji said, then hold on to the thought that any germ that attacks you will be electrocuted. So in other words, this cosmic energy that's surrounding your body is a protection from negation, from anything reaching you, anything entering that field of cosmic energy around your body will be electrocuted. So hold on to this feeling of total protection, this feeling of being in the presence of God because your Heavenly Father is with you. And let's spend a few moments in meditation. If the feeling fades, refresh it again. Envision spirit surrounding you. Your Heavenly Father is with you. You are protected. Spirit and His cosmic energy surround you.
hold yourself in that protected place. Your Heavenly Father is with you. You are protected. You're surrounded with spirit and his cosmic energy. And now let's chant Om three times together. So chant along with me. Om. Om. She says, that will shield you. You will feel his wonderful protection. Be fearless. If you commune with God, his truth will flow to you. You will know that you are the imperishable soul. You will know that you are the imperishable soul. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Mother, Friend, Beloved God, Jesus Christ, Bhagavan Krishna, Mahavatar Babaji, Lahiri Mahashai, Swami Sri Yuteshwar, our Guru, Paramahansa Yogananda, saints of all religions, we bow to you all. O Divine Mother, whatever conditions confront me, I know they represent the next step in my unfoldment I will welcome all tests because I know that within me is the intelligence to understand and the power to overcome. Bless me that my life may be pleasing to thee. I bow to thee with all the love of my heart. Om. Peace. Amen. Jai Guru.